0: that's how I know I genuinely like you because I have no idea what I can get out of you even if I wanted something if I were like wow I really want to get something out of this relationship with Adam right now I don't know what that is outside of just hanging out and kind of being friendly and figuring that out
1: welcome to conversations with Connors I'm your host Adam Connors Chris Manzo is my next guest. You most likely know him from TV, but I know him as my good-hearted, always friendly, upbeat, and fun neighbor. As you will see, he also happens to be authentic and humble. To elaborate, Chris is a man who exemplifies authenticity and reality, analogous to his presence on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. However, his talent doesn't only lie in reality TV. In fact, Chris is an entrepreneur, a restaurateur, popular podcaster, and also the author of a children's book called Oliver Brightside. You don't want that penny. By the age of 22, his career has afforded him, and by the way, not lost on him, the opportunity to do all kinds of activities that young adults dream of. Things like being on TV, visiting the Playboy Mansion and meeting with Hugh Hefner, to meeting his childhood idol, Jay-Z. In this conversation, you'll hear about everything from Chris's bad networking habits, but also learn how to be authentic with others. Something he touched on that I found particularly of interest was his perspective on how important it is to develop relationships with people who you'd never think you'd talk to. It reminds me of the Tim Ferriss quote, You never know who could put you on the cover of the New York Times. After listening to this conversation, you'll find yourself recognizing the driving forces behind your goals and the importance of the word why. Why do you do something? And why something makes you want to get out of bed in the morning? These are the little things that not only help you in the world of networking, but that also help you cater to personal growth and ultimate fulfillment. Those are some of my takeaways. I can't wait to hear about yours. So kick back and enjoy my conversation with my friend, Chris Manzo. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate that. Thank
0: you. About time. Yeah, <laughs> I know. We've been talking about this for a long time. We
1: have. Yeah. What's taken us so long?
0: I wanted to feel you out. I want to make sure if someone just invites me to their place. I got to know what's coming. You know? <laughs> I got to make sure I'm in good hands. You're a lot bigger than me. <laughs> so the chloroform,
1: <laughs> put it away.
0: No, it's, uh, we're both pretty busy. I mean, I know you're busy. I've seen your calendar. Truthfully, it's probably a big part of our complete opposite ways of going about our lives where I forget half the plans I make and you make plans constantly. So things just pop up for me where that, I'm assuming never happens for you, right? Where it's no. like, oh, I forgot I have to do this tomorrow. No, I thought so you are right. Yeah. That's the difference between you and I, I guess. You must sleep so well at night. I don't. Come on. I don't at all. I'm the worst sleeper. I always look tired. People always ask me why I'm tired. I don't sleep. What's keeping you up? My whole life I've been like that. Honestly, I've never really thought about it. Thought about it but going back. My dad used to work really late And he'd come back three o'clock in the morning. He had a catering hall, restaurant business, all that. And my room was above the garage. So I don't know, I just like kind of had a sense of comfort of like hearing when he came home. You know what I mean? I grew up in a small house and then we eventually graduated kind of to a pretty big house. And my first house got robbed when I was like a baby and I wasn't even old enough to remember it. I just thought that's what happened when you move to a new house, you just get robbed. (laughs) So I would stay up in the first like year when I was 11 or 12, just waiting for my dad to come home. I'm like, all right, I can go to sleep now nothing's going to happen. And then eventually I got into the restaurant business when I was 16, 17, working for him and very late nights there, as you know, just from the mutual friends that we have, it's not really a normal schedule. And then I just was never somebody that liked waking up early either. So I'd stay up. I'd catch up on whatever emails or which I obviously don't yeah, we'll wait, get into at on. some point. I'm going to call we'll it at some point. That. But once upon a time, I would respond to emails and hold, I would- hold on. Uh, We're going to rewind because you brought up emails. <laughs>
1: so we had this conversation just a week or two ago about emails. And you showed me your email the last time you had a sent email. So for the record, <laughs> we are in October of 2018. Chris- what day was the last day I you sent? I don't remember the exact day. I do.
0: I do. Was it June 20th? June 28th. June 28th. That was the last time I sent an email. Yeah. And I'm sure it was something that was just like, that works or something <laughs> like that. It wasn't <laughs> anything special, but I, there's certain things that I said I don't want to do. And that's one of the things that I just, it drives me nuts. I don't like emailing. I don't like being a slave to my email. And it kind of started when I had a couple partners that would always send me appointments via email. For just getting a drink. Like just tell me you'll meet me there. That happened today with us actually. Yeah, you were right. like, I'll meet you at twelve. I was like, I don't know, sure. <laughs> You're like, the twelve work? No, sure. you, you wrote that works. Yeah. <laughs> I like to just kinda go with the flow. Wow,
1: good for you. So for those of you who don't know who Chris is, do you mind give your name and a quick overview of kind of sure. who you are and how people might know you?
0: I guess I'll go on more of the broader scale of how people would know me more so than how we know each other, because it's two totally different stories, yeah. but I guess we could start with my family had a reality TV show for a pretty long time. We were associated with uh, Bravo's Real Housewives franchise, and we were in the New Jersey show, the Manzos, my family, my mother's Caroline. For anyone that's seen the show, short, redheaded lady, usually yelling. And then she's yeah. yellow again you wouldn't that's something you wouldn't know. We had a really great run on that show for a long time and then after that we always joked we said it was something that would be fun to tell our kids about but it turned into something that we hope our kids never find out about. <laughs> so we um left the show and then Bravo offered us our own spin-off series and that lasted for 3 years. So over that time you live a full lifetime. I've done things and seen things and been places that I really think my bucket list was checked off when I was 26 years old. So now I'm kind of, I'm living life in reverse. You saw me now kind of in the second half of just working, yeah. working like a normal person now. But. Wow,
1: interesting. So tell me any experience or two that you think would be on most
0: people's normal bucket list that you've done. I know there are a lot. Depends on what you're into, of course. I went to the Playboy Mansion when I was 24 years old and met Hugh Hefner there. I did a bunch of cool stuff, nothing too crazy, but met some really crazy people just being there at that age. And it's just wild. It's such a different experience. I've been to Super Bowls and been to Giants after party after they won the Super Bowl and just things that you're like, what the hell am I doing here? Because we never did anything. In my family, we do a very pretty good job, I should say, of keeping each other humble by just not allowing us to kind of get ahead of ourselves. We'll make fun of each other very quickly. we were very real about how we got in the situation we were, which was we took no talent really to get there. So there's nothing that we were able to take advantage of. That was the one thing I think we did really well is we took in each moment. I referenced before, and it's something that I I doubt it'll get back to him, but I had a meeting with Jay-Z one time and it was because of the show. I've met people that I, my whole life look up to and I was able to reach out to them on the phone at a certain point in time. So those are things that aren't normal for a 22, 25 year old kid to go through. So for me, like I was kind of saying, I'm sort of done with anything that like, wow, I need to do this before I die. Now I'm like, all right, now I think I just got to go to work now. It's time to just start working.
1: That's pretty cool. And I am going to give you a plug because I really, one of the things that I like most about you, especially after knowing, I guess, who quote unquote you are is your level of humility and to the point or one of the things that you were saying, and for those who aren't listening, so I've known you for, I guess, over a year, had no idea, I guess, who you or your family was. We've had dinner together. And like you said, hearing your mother yell, like she's just, Mm. now I need to see the show because (laughs) I can't picture that. For those who are listening, really interesting. One night we're in a restaurant. And it was really busy and I was sitting by the door and there were a bunch of uh, attractive ladies that were talking about you and they're dying to get to know you and they're like, oh, I was quasi eavesdropping. But then essentially like, I walk over to you and I say, hey, Chris, these girls are pretty attractive you over said, there. They think you're someone that you're not. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, They think, they, they're, no, you know, they think you're right? some TV guy yeah, or something. You yeah, said. <laughs> yeah, you said a oh, movie star. You're like, well, yeah. It's like You're like, I kind of get that. And I'm like, You do? What do you mean? And that's when you went on right. to tell me about you and your family. So I think that and through the course of the you know past year I don't know them as well as I know you, but just really just nice good people that like I said, I still haven't seen the show but it's all in it. Yeah. <laughs> well, then that's the good acting that right. I, I guess. So you've had some amazing experiences. You've met great people. I'm assuming that you've been getting, you had opportunities to go do some of these things. Yeah. Because of your celebrity, but also because of you,
0: it kind of gives and takes away at the same time. You have to realize too, that we were a part of sort of a reality TV boom airing when New Jersey shore started and all these shows that really took over the country for a pretty long time. And South Park killed my mom. Oh, Are you're kidding me, yeah, really? So like, that's so much of a pop culture. I feel like if South Park's getting involved or SNL's getting involved and both did, it's, you're pretty much as big as it's going to get. Not me personally. I'm talking about the the rise of reality TV. So it was a little bit of a dogfight too because it it was like, where's this going to go? Because there was club appearance money to be made. There was Bethany Frankel doing Skinny Girl and there was big brand potential that people were kind of learning about. There was people doing talk shows and you're saying, okay, what is this? Like, what do we have in front of us? We know we have something. I know that I have all these followers on... By the way, I grew up not with social media, so I didn't know the value of even what followers are for and what the purpose of Twitter was or Instagram or something like that. I was 18 when it started. So I grew up thinking that a lot of these things were kind of, okay, well, it's not going away. Most of my life now, it's been 10 years of my life, 11 years of my life, was everything. If I had a question, I could tweet it and i get an answer within 10 seconds. I had like my own personal Google. It did present a lot of business opportunities, but it became really difficult to decide what to do with the platform because you only have it for so long. You've seen a lot of different people be successful with it. And I didn't even know really what I was. I was 21 years old. I'm like, what am I? Am I a business person? Am I a personality? You know, it becomes really tough to decide. My dad, again, was in the restaurant business. He worked and still continues to work extremely hard for the life he's provided for himself and my family and me. That to me was the way you earn money and find opportunities was by working really, really hard and going somewhere every day and showing the people that are paying you for your business, that your face is there, that you're there to help them with anything they have. So the idea of making money for two months out of your time to film at a hair salon or something like that was crazy to me, or that a nightclub might pay you $5,000 to just go there and drink with your friends was nuts. That was filmed? That was No, that was the other part. So when you're on reality TV, I'm, this doesn't speak for everyone, but at least the people that we worked with, they put a lot of stock into not reminding the audience that you're on TV. So they didn't want you doing celebrity appearances or anything like that. They would do pretty much everything they can to stifle it, first off. But secondly, they would never acknowledge it. So they wouldn't say, oh, what are you doing Friday? I have a club appearance. They wouldn't film that. They would say, okay, well, let me know when you're just having lunch with your sister because that's what we want to film you doing. So you really start to live two lives because you have to. And then you live them again because you live these two lives. You have what you do that you're willing to do off camera, things you're willing to do on camera. And then it all airs and you have to acknowledge all of these things (laughs) that you said. So you live two lives and one of them you live twice. Always somebody offering you a winning lottery ticket, this product, this brand, this show, this whatever the F opportunity was always in front of us. And finally, we found a couple things in the brand world. We wanted to go the Bethany route. We said, that seems the most sustainable. Selling your company for 200 million seems like something that works for oh, her. Not a bad idea. So, uh, you know, it didn't work for us, but we definitely tried. What has
1: kept you so humble? I would have never known had those girls, you've never mentioned it. We've had multiple conversations. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a bad friend. There's for probably not really some a pro- friends
0: that would tell you I'm not as humble as I come off. But uh-huh. no, the truth is, honest to God, Again, this goes into the very beginning of our conversation of the friends that I've made and people, not just that I've met, but I've met guys that are really good friends of mine that are literally world-class athletes. They're Olympians. They're people that have done these crazy things. And I'm like, they have a skill and they don't have the following I have. We can go to a restaurant and no one's talking to this guy who is literally in the Olympics. And they're talking to myself and my brother. And I'm saying, I'm nothing. Talk to him. Or I have another friend who's on the other end of the spectrum, people I think should be really famous. His name is Nick Charles. He's a active duty army. I'm doing a complete injustice to what his title is. I just don't want to say the wrong thing. Lost his leg, literally got shot off of his body and he replaced it with a metal one and went right back to work. That's a celebrity to me. That's somebody that people should talk about. So it's easy to be humble when you're like, and I'm not saying this at all to be modest and get a pat on the back. We did nothing. We have zero talent in the sense of that's what got us to where we are. The right people walked into the right hair salon and met my mom. And that's how the show started. Producers walked into a hair salon. So That's nothing more than luck of the draw. So I think it shows a lot about you if you can't stay humble in that situation just because what did you do to get here? And also it's real housewives. It was not about me. It was never about my brother or my sister. Well, what was the allure? To us? Yeah, yeah. We we never understood it. I'm not saying it again, to be honest at all. I just think truthfully, Adam, I think if you put, music behind conversations with your wife, they'll become more interesting too. There's music, there's editing, there's these things. What they told us, the allure was, because we would ask the question too, was basically that the whole New Jersey attitude, the family first, everyone kind of has people that they know that are like the Sopranos or that are like these families that are so tight knit and they curse and they yell at each other and they'll say F off, it's all out of love. And we thought that was kind of normal everywhere. And it's not. It's not at all. The rest of the country doesn't go home every Sunday. They don't worry about what their mom might think of their new girlfriend or something like that. And that was something that was endearing to a lot of people because they were saying, look at these guys in their 20s, so respectful with their mother and their sister. But at the same time, they have the worst mouths in the world and they go out and they party and they have fun. My brother and I especially were very different. My sister, now people are finally seeing it. She kind of had a rough go of it on the show. She didn't have the response that we had for a pretty long time. But now she's a mom and has that. She's a New Jersey mom now. You know, she's got <laughs> the thing that Drew was. Now I'm seeing it for the first time. Of like, oh, I'm interested watching Lauren become a mom. It's cool. Yesterday, she was yelling at her kid. I'm like, look at Lauren yelling at her freaking kid. This is crazy. <laughs> Everything is done with the worst language and the most amount of love at the same time. And I think it's just a weird thing for other people to see, I guess. I don't really know. Like, you know, I'm so open to my parents about everything and about, I mean, anything. things Mistakes I've made and awful things I've done and said and funny things I've done and said and things that should probably be private. The only thing I don't do, I don't go into dating with my parents. And that's more for my convenience, not even my privacy, just...
1: Well, speaking of that, how are you able, I guess first, do you have to worry about people having an ulterior motive? And before you answer that, one of the things that I really like about you is I never feel that there's any intent other than just like some form of positive energy. Just want to have a good time. Yeah. So then how do you guard against that? Is that something that you've had to worry about?
0: People think they're a lot better at that than they are at hiding their motives. And people think they're a lot better at it than they are. You know, someone right away.
1: I liked your try before you buy yeah essentially mentality i think that's a great And idea. what i
0: also understand is i have a year to burn you know i've done pretty well financially with the i've gotten really lucky with the show and the other shows that i've done and appearances that i've done and things like that where i'm able to take a year with making the least amount of money i've ever made in my life to see if something's going to work and that's okay and most people probably i don't know if they could afford that because i have very low i don't have a family i don't have I have a mother and father, but I don't have kids or a fiance, even a girlfriend that I have to worry about. I kind of acknowledge for a while that I only have me right now. So let's take all the risks in the world because pretty soon, maybe even accidentally, you don't really have a choice. So then you got to get to work. Then you have to make sure you're covered. But for now, take some risk. Yeah. Good for you. It's funny. So we were out
1: at lunch and we were talking about relationships and networking and you were saying that you don't think that you're good at it. And I would actually beg to differ It's really more understanding of what networking really is, because you do have some pretty darn good relationships, people that you talk about trust a lot. They're people that I can tell trust you. You've got a natural way about you. You've built good friendships with people. Before we get into that, let's talk about what you don't do well, if you don't mind.
0: I am not a good contact. Like Even if I want to talk to you. You know how
1: good you are with email. Yeah, well,
0: that's the thing. I'm very big on making sure that, like you said before, you have such a good energy about you. I want to keep that up because I think that's my strongest asset. I want to make sure that that's my thing. If that's what people like about me, I need to make sure that's always kind of good. And The only way to do that is to just put myself in a position where I'm I'm usually happy. I kind of learned that once I start biting off more than I could chew, let me talk. My brother is a juggler. He wants to work in five different businesses with 10 different partners and it works for him. He does well, but he can handle that. He can maintain those relationships. You see what I do for a living and I'm not trying to be cryptic about it. It's just, it's at a restaurant. It's not anything that's so crazy for those that don't know, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of being on your feet and you're tired when you're done. And I'm there every minute of every day. You can attest to that. A lot of people, I've been partners in other restaurants before where I was on the show and I was a face. Again, now is when I said to myself, I'm ready to go to work. It's enough's enough. But I get home. I'm so beat. The last thing I really want to do, really, and I'll tell people this, is talk to you. I don't want to talk to you about what we can do together. And I am agree that we could do something. If you have the patience and I have the patience to kind of get to the point where we have a conversation like you and I, you had the patience with me where I was like, I canceled a couple of times. Now, one was... Actually, I didn't cancel yesterday. Today was the appointment. Last week, (laughs) I actually flat out told you, hey, I'm not really ready for this right now. I just kind of listened and read and I'm like, I don't think I'll be good at this today. And I'll have those days. And then there's other days I'm like, I want to take on the world, bring it all on. But I'm bad at maintaining relationships to answer the question. Finally, I'm not great at asking for anything. If it's a contact, if it's a dollar, if it's a favor, if it's something that I'm owed. I have a really hard time asking anybody for anything. I just never want to come off as a salesman or a, I hate going to Miami and getting solicited. You know, you walk down the street and they're like, hey, can you come here? Look at these specials. Look at the drink specials. This Miami Vice for $2. I never want to be that guy. When you're going down the street in Miami, I don't want to be the person that comes up to you and offers you a friggin' frozen drink for $2.
1: Can I interrupt you? Yes. So all those things that you talked about, about all these things you don't want to be are all the reasons why you actually are good at networking because all those things that you referenced are not network. It's not networking, but what most people do is associate that with networking. Mm -hmm. So all those things, that slimy salesperson or that person that's forcing their car. Is there a word for that
0: guy? Because that's who I don't want to be. Yeah, no. That's what I'm bad at. Yeah, I know.
1: And own that. Wear (laughs) that as a badge of honor because those are the things that really turn people off. I like to call them take holes or ask holes because they're always looking for stuff. I mean, listen, it doesn't mean one of the beauties of having or building good relationships and having a network is having a surrounding yourself with good people. So if you ever are in need of anything, whether it's a ride right. somewhere or whatever, just advice on a venture that you've got them because you've built relationships, you spend time and they would be more upset if you didn't ask them yeah. as opposed to stubbornly not. Your interpretation of what networking is, is, is just wrong, which reinforces why actually you are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you it, know, I get what the, you're the saying. The irony. I don't think I'm explaining it well. No, you but are. I, there
0: are definitely, and maybe again, I've had a different experience the most where my Instagram is valuable to some people where I'll get a call pretty often of yeah, just by like- by the way, we
1: looked it up. It lo- it was uh, 300,
0: no, uh, how in, many? Twitter's in the 300 something or other than Instagram, I think it's like 275. Yeah, five a lot of people. Yeah. But even that, I get calls almost every day. Hey, can you post this for my friend's necklace company and this for my friend's blog? And it's just like, that to me, it's not annoying. It's not something that bothers me even. It's just like, that's when you feel, I never want to feel like that. <laughs> I try to find people that, I like that I don't really know what you do, you specifically. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you really do. Me neither. You know, so, <laughs> I, mean, I like us. that because that's how I know I genuinely like you because I have no idea what I can get out of you even if I wanted something. If I were like, wow, I really want to get something out of this relationship with Adam. Right now, I don't know what that is outside of just hanging out and kind of being friendly and figuring that out. But when I don't hear from you for a while, like I don't like saying, oh, you're only good for this thing is basically what I'm good at. A friend of mine is in the software business and does really, really well for himself. Every call he gets, he's a really good friend of mine. I'm with him all the time. He's getting investment calls and tech advice and all this. I'm like, do you feel like a rodeo clown? Like make me a bicycle clown, whatever the movie was. Like, do you feel like a clown? That's just, this is what your purpose is for me. It's, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? If not, you don't get the call. I really try to extract whatever that person does for a living or whatever that person does as a skill from who they are. Cause I don't want to ever bug you about that. Now I might need to ride to the airport one day, but I don't ever want to call upon you for a favor we were talking before about a friend of mine who's a professional athlete oh can he sign a jersey that i just say no i say i don't know him that well because it's nothing to him it's no problem but that's the beginning of like oh what are we doing here we, we never had that friendship we never had that relationship yeah i just try to avoid what you do in our friendship like try to avoid because that's work, man. Like I said, leave it at home. Well, you know, it depends. I'm
1: going to respectfully disagree. I can never be in your position because I've never been approached the way that you're yeah. approached. And, but there are things that people do, even myself with what I do, is where something that I spend a significant amount of time doing I hope to get good at it. And if I can get good at it, it's something that I'm hopefully passionate about. And if mm-hmm. I'm passionate about it, it's something that I will continue to do. And if I'm doing this all the time and making money at it, if I can then bring that over to my personal life where I can benefit those who mean the most to me, then by gosh, I'm going to do that. No you question. Know, that's, you know,
0: I'm not saying I'm right or anyone else is you know, wrong. It's just kind of answering what I do well and don't do well. And also just kind of my philosophy just on maintaining friendships and relationships. I put a lot, maybe too much stock into hoping something happens. Something random just comes out of the sky.
1: <laughs> like the text before. Right. Instead of pushing, <laughs> instead of pushing yeah, yeah. something
0: to happen, because here's what I thought about something I was like, going to mention. I've never had a plan really go through. I don't know that many people that have, like I've never had a full 365 days, a full year where I was like, this is where I thought it was going to be hmm. a year ago. So I kind of just threw it out the window. That's where my mindset comes with not asking people for anything. Cause If we're going to work together, if we could work together, hopefully you get that idea. Hopefully that's your idea. Then we could start. But it's almost like getting into a fight. Like you don't want to throw the first punch. Let me get hit first. Hit me with the idea and then I'll hit you back. So
1: are you open then, I guess, to having people bring opportunities to your attention? Yeah, Always. And what is it that you bring to the table? For someone that's going to bring an opportunity to you, obviously they're celebrity. What else is it that you're bringing? Your energy, positive energy. What, what I else? like
0: about this, what we're doing right now, is I haven't gotten in front of many people for things that I've always thought I'd be pretty good at, but haven't really had a chance to. I like helping brands. I like naming things. I'm pretty good at it. We've never really gone over. Really, I think my biggest strength is creativity. Of like, I have a pretty creative brain. I've named TV shows. I've named brands. I've named slogans, and a lot of my friends that work in Branding or advertising they will call me about little ideas. My one friend, he's the head of content at a production company. I can't even count how many TV shows. A lot of them never really happened because sure. the way the business works. But one or two have, and it's a cool feeling. I see a billboard with something you came up with, and that's something, an itch that I, I will scratch every single day. It's, hey, I have this t-shirt brand. I have this drink company. If I could help come up with a slogan, a name, a branding concept, I just love doing that. I love creating. I like, that's why I write. I told you before, my, yeah. an outlet for me is writing because I just like Creating things and didn't you write a book? I did. I wrote a children's book. I would normally plug it, I still will, but you can't even buy it anymore. I think they ran out of copies, so which is a good and bad thing for a couple of reasons. Another podcast to talk about the book world. I love doing that. That yeah. was so much fun to write a book, and I, it was a children's book, and the character's name was Oliver Brightside. It was very optimistic kid in the book was about a kid finding a penny in New York City and not knowing how to spend it. And he wanted to spend a penny, but you can't do anything with a penny. So he just went and talked to the Statue of Liberty and the Columbus Circle, the the big statue there and all these New York things and pigeons and cab drivers about how to spend this penny. And that was something that I loved doing because it was I would go I got to pick out an illustrator and I got to look at all these different versions. Is Oliver gonna look like this, you gotta look like this and this thing that started at a Hoboken coffee shop that I just wrote Somebody gave me a penny when I gave my change. I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this penny? And I liked the way it sounded when I said it. And I I wrote it in a notebook. And then I started writing, I don't want this penny. Well, you don't want this penny. You don't want that penny. I'm like, all right. Then it just went into this whole thing of, all right. So I'm getting a penny at a coffee shop. Now picking out this kid's face and what he's going to wear on his head and what the Statue so of Liberty so should look you, like. you did that too? You didn't get an oh, illustrator not an illustri- for no, that? who we got oh, an illustrator okay. and I got to, I was pretty lucky because a lot of, I don't like calling myself an author, but a lot of writers don't have any input at all from a creative standpoint on their illustrations. If they don't trust you, if they don't really care, if they just like your story, they'll sit, They'll buy their story from you and the rest is up to them. They could change names. They could do anything. I had a lot of creative input on what we got to do with the illustrations and a bunch of stuff. That's actually, if you're ever going to watch the show, you that's something we did on the show that was incredible. Seeing the character for the first time, doing our book release, Oh, so this all signing all, copies for the this, first time. all through the show. Yeah. I mean, that to me, if you're going to say, what's the best thing that came out of the show or bucket list items, that's probably it right there. Just, what season is that or how? That would be our spinoff show. And it was the... When you say spin-off show, what does that mean? It was called Man's Word with Children, like Married with Children. Okay. <laughs> I made that name. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was uh-huh. hoping you got, if you didn't laugh, yeah. I wouldn't have told you that. <laughs> um, yeah, we covered that on the show a ton. It was just such a cool experience for me. And that's something I would love to, in one way or another, create again, whether it be another book, which I didn't love how it ended with me with the publisher and things like that, which we're still in good terms. It just It's something I clearly couldn't make a career out of for a very long time, which I'm not done with yet, but I want to revisit it. But I love the idea of having that one, the penny at a coffee shop, and it turns into a Barnes and Noble book signing on April, whatever the date came out. I can't believe I already forgot. Again, that was the huge advantage. Huge advantage for me is when I announced that there was a book, um, a woman named Colleen Hoover, she's a romantic novel writer, super successful, does great. She was a big fan of my mom. So she reached out. And now through that, over time, we've become like really good friends. And it's this woman with three kids in Texas that I should never even meet. And we're friends because this random little show and this writing thing connected us in a weird way. And she gave me a ton of advice and helped me get my agent and helped me get all these other things just strictly out of just kindness of stuff about her heart and saying, wow, I see you on the show. You seem like a really nice kid. And we became friends through that. That's awesome. That's what's weird about it. Once you say you're doing something on TV, people that already do it and do it at a pretty high level, they'll reach out to you. Say, oh, I see you on the show. I saw how long it took you to get the book deal. There was me getting rejected by publisher after publisher after publisher on TV. And for her to see that and say, wow, I saw you really cared. I wanted you to see this and maybe you could try this. Maybe we could do this together and really cool. And that's all, it attracts good people.
1: So you've met some amazing people. Tell me about some of the people. Who stands out to you the most in terms of people that might be another celebrity, but is under the radar? Someone that really should stand out, but doesn't.
0: Well, I love Marcus. I was telling you about Marcus earlier. I think Marcus is an untapped potential for something. He's Marcus Kuhn, formerly of the New York Giants first German player ever drafted. He knows nothing about football. He knows a lot about football, the business, a lot about football from the player's perspective. Ask him about a fantasy question. He'll laugh. He has no idea what you're talking about, but he sees the bigger picture of it and what it is and where it should go and things like that. But more importantly than that, we did a show together on Fantasy Sports Network where I asked, there's one person I really want with me and it's Marcus because he's just really funny. He's a really funny, really smart guy that transcends the thing you know him for, which is, I'm trying to come up with a better word for what description I made earlier. You know him for football, you'll forget that really quickly. It's somebody that is just, he's a Renaissance man. And it's somebody that could, if you want to give him a show, he could have a show. If you want to do comedy, you could do comedy. He's a really funny guy. What is it about him that, is it gravitas? Beyond is it charismatic. humor? It's,
1: that's charismatic. Beyond charismatic. charismatic.
0: There's not a conversation where he can't hold his own. And I think that is a skill in its own. And it's something I work on myself all the time there's not an arena you can't put him in no pun intended with the football thing where he can't hold his own if you say oh i want to talk politics he'll do it i want to talk fart jokes and stand-up comedy let's do that too and i just think those kind of people i'll put without sounding in any sort of way myself in that category where was it jack of all trades master of none. <laughs> yep. where i'm pretty good at a handful of things i'm not great really at much but there's not a lot that I, I haven't tried like i said i've lived a full lifetime with this show they asked us to do a lot of things and try a lot of things and.
1: What would they do? Give me an example.
0: I was I helped manage a strip club for a day. I helped manage a car wash for a day. And of course, it was oh, only a kidding. day. Just for, that's um, an
1: interesting concept.
0: When I was 19, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to run a strip club and a car wash but different places. And it was just a joke on TV where I said I wanted the girls that work at the strip club to work at the car wash in the daytime because it would bring the guys over at night. Total joke, but it caught on in a massive way. For some reason, everyone that watched the show, it was actually my very first thing I've ever said on TV. So imagine that also, that's how you get started with all this and this. But I was talking about just different places. It kind of evolved into like a strip club car wash concept. And the producers just loved it. Like they loved the idea of it because it was just so silly and so New Jersey that a 19-year-old kid with the full support of his parents wants to open a strip club car wash. So they sent me to scores and I managed scores for a day, but I did want to do that. So I did keep those relationships. I did have those conversations and learn what it takes to be in that business and learn pretty quickly I didn't want to be in it. Tell me
1: about that business. What was it
0: that it's was good? As sleazy as you would think. Yeah, It's just the guy, of course, we have a microphone on and the guy probably didn't trust me all that much. So he wasn't telling me so much, but enough of just like, he never told me all that. He'll always say all the right things. Oh, you don't touch the girls. You don't do this when you work here. But then like just seeing it, I saw like hard drugs for the first time in my life, just walking into that place and getting a to look at the background. Like there's nothing healthy about that environment at all. There's nothing I really don't like anybody that kind of gets preyed upon or taken advantage of, and I'm really cautious of that. That's probably the only thing that can drive me away from a person altogether, is if you're that kind of guy that or girl that'll just prey on somebody's weaknesses. And that's why I don't like psychics. I think most psychics, they know you're either coming here because of a breakup or someone just died. So let me prey on that. Let me work on that. And so I didn't like that business for that reason. But then I I've tried a bunch of stuff and I've gotten a lot of different opinions. I have a friend that works in. Are you familiar with cross pollination, like that term, mm-hmm. and he, when it comes to yep. business? Yep. So he has a business. He actually is in the podcast game too. You guys
1: should talk. See, there you go. You're doing networking yeah, right that? there. You're making connections. Sorry to cut you off. Second Keep person going. I
0: texted about you today. It's yeah. working. You're right. <laughs> but he opened my eyes to a lot of stuff too. Of just he applies a lot of different ways of thinking to something. So his job is he'll take a pick crew. The Ferrari pick crew in F1 and introduce them to an emergency room and they'll work on their efficiency together and they'll see what can you learn from this person what can you learn from that but he really does this for a living. It's really fun. Just being his friend for such a long time just kind of changed the way you think also and just yeah. I kind of learned from that that I want to think. That's what I want to do for work. I want to think. And I'm not doing a ton of that right now at the restaurant, but that's in my blood. Restaurant stuff and I think I want to get that to a place where everyone that's listening to this and anyone that's anywhere knows about this place and all 30 of them all 50 of them that's my goal so if that means working like crazy and not using what i think are my best tools right now that's fine
1: apologies for interrupting this conversation especially if you're really enjoying it i know that i get frustrated when i'm listening to a good podcast so i'll make it quick if you're enjoying our podcast please support us on patreon.com slash that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. All patrons will receive early access to podcasts and exclusive networking advice. Okay, that was painless. So all you have to do now is help us on Patreon and enjoy the remainder of the show. So let's go back to actually something we said a little wine maybe 10 minutes or so ago where you said you don't know what you want to do or you wait for people to come to you. Actually, what I'm hearing you say is that you do, but maybe you just haven't calcified that. You don't realize that you do want those 30 to 50 restaurants with this brand. Right. You know, you want to brand 30 to 50 restaurants and you want to be the creative force behind that. And I guess you can use this channel, your celebrity, if you will, to maybe create the funnel that brings people in to help you vet Partnering up with the right types of people to help get your goal over the goal line. (laughs) Well, that's what
0: gets scary too, because like, how do you grow? Because it's something that I've never done. We had a bottled water company I was telling you about earlier, and we really threw that into hyper speed, and we grew way too fast. So that's kind of more of my fear now: is, hey, do I want to be that big, that fast, or am I crazy for not wanting to be this big, this fast? It's something I've never done. It's certainly something my partners never done. It's a scary thought to try to grow and with something that you don't really know what you're signing up for. And that's something that excites me though because it's something I'm very familiar with because my dad has been in the restaurant business his whole life and trying to get National attention is something I'm familiar with because it's something I did with TV, but combining them is pretty tough.
1: Again, getting back to a network, what a true network is, you surround the weakness of the individual with the strength of the group. Mm -hmm. So you're going to build an A team. The areas that you're weak find the people that specialize or are extremely strong there.
0: That's a strength that I think I kind of pride myself on too, is I could tell you when I'm not good at something. And there's a lot of people that aren't good at that. There's a lot of people that think they're the best at everything in the world. That I know my lane. And I want to stay in it. I don't want to venture out of it because, and it almost comes off as lazy because I think so many people are so used to hearing all the Instagram kind of inspiration, you know what I mean? Of like, no days off and this and that and do everyone's job. And no, don't do that. You'll overexert yourself and you're going to do a poor job. There's no way. If I started making the pizza, I might care the most. I'm not going to do as good of a job as the guy that does it right now. There's no way. So... To me, that's what I look for when you talk about networking is who can do the things that I definitely can't do. And I guess that's what you're saying, right? That's that's the weakness. Yeah. I never really heard it like that. So that's good to say. That's good to hear. I should say like it's because I get a lot of people make fun of me because I'll say, I'm terrible at that. I need somebody that's good at that. So no, just become good at that. Also, now I'm going to become good at math after 29 years. You want me to just start? (laughs) You want want me to be an accountant now too? That's not how it works.
1: Yeah. We were talking about other jobs that you've had, which I think is fascinating that you had opportunities to do that. So the scores and the car wash. i tried everything. (laughs) What was one that that Uh, really piqued your interest?
0: I'll tell you the ones that didn't. I worked in uh, Spirits for a while. I was selling vodka and tequila and wine. Again, all people that kind of taking advantage of the social media end of it, of how I can get the word out and just relationships actually would just, hey, can you get this brand into this bar in Hoboken and all that? I hated working in liquor and spirits, kind of honestly felt like the strip club vibe of just everyone's drunk all the time. Not to sound like a party pooper at all, but it's just like there's a time and place like there's just everyone's drunk, everyone's complaining, everyone's leaving. I don't know how many people, you know, in the liquor industry, but I don't know anyone that's worked somewhere for 10 years. And that's something that I put a lot of stock into. I think if you're not there for a long time, I don't really- What's to do with the turnover? It's just, I just think people get sick of certain things really quickly. I think brands are not afraid to steal other people for just a heavy poaching environment. But also everyone's trying to move up like one rung at a time. They don't mind saying, oh, I'll only make, a lot of times I'll make less money, but my hours will be better or I'll have worse hours. My money will be better or whatever. And they'll just switch. They could so quickly switch their jobs based on whatever their life is going on. I know a guy who's in the liquor business forever. And, oh, yeah, I'm doing this now because I'm single. Oh, I started dating this girl. I'm doing this. This is really what happened. I'm dating this girl now. Oh, we're engaged. I'm getting a new job because it works better. Now we're married. I got this whole new job. It's a nine to five. That, to me, is just so not sustainable at all. Like It reminds me of the TV thing as well, where you get paid once a year and you hope you don't hear about the next season until the year after that. So, oh, yeah, here's a lot of money. I don't know how long it's going to last you.
1: What's the gap in between hearing? Is it well, really a If you're year? doing
0: great right away because you know oh we're the number one rated thing at nine o'clock on sunday this show isn't going anywhere we're gonna be back with manzoid it was a little more complicated because we were originally just toyed with on our time slot constantly and we didn't know what was good and what was bad because the housewives we were doing at its peak and i'm probably a little off here somewhere three to three and a half million people on a sunday night where Mansord would get we premiered at 1.7 million and i was like damn that's not good but then I find out it's one of the best premieres they've ever had for a spin-off of whatever, whatever, whatever. You just don't know. And then Manzode, we were getting close to a million people with Trump versus Hillary on TV with us. And that to me I thought was great. That's the season that we got the act. So there was really no way of knowing what's happening, what the hell's going on. That's another one. No one works in the same network for very long. You know, that that top dogs do, everyone else kind of gets moved around. How
1: important were the relationships with the film crew or the other people that were part of the show? Because it's not just your family. I mean, there's so many moving parts.
0: Other people would tell you it's not important. We put a a lot into making sure the film crew, camera guys, sound guys, PAs, producers, whatever, whoever, felt like they were able to be comfortable in our house. If you came in with an L.A. producer, someone, hey, yeah, everything's great. Here's what we want out of you. but We want it to be normal. You're full of it. Get out. We would literally say we don't want to work with them. They're not our kind of people. By the end of it. They knew who we were able to work with and who we weren't because there were people that would say to us, you're going to look really bad this scene. You're going to look really bad, <laughs> but you kind of stepped in it. And this is the truth where most that's a really no one response to that. So we needed to have a good relationship. We needed somebody to say, how would I look there? I'm not good. We needed yeah. that. And we were okay with that. But when everything's so great and rosy and all this, it, we wouldn't cooperate. We weren't good on camera. We wouldn't want to give them a good day's work, to be honest, because we don't want to work with them. Other people are a little bit more robotic. Anybody that works for the network or the production company can come in and say, do this, and they'll do that because they want to be on TV. We at least want to feel like we're a little bit in control of our own destiny. So we need to, for us, it was really important to know everyone and like everyone and be on the same page. It was really important. You, You stay in touch with any of those people? A lot of them. Do you really? All the time. I'm meeting our old producer for Manzo next week when he comes to the city just to have dinner. I got a FaceTime from a kid who used to drive the van That's what's kind of, and I think they would say this too, a lot of people in reality TV do not have the same mentality as us of we're not celebrities, we're not anything special. There's people, I know stories of women that would say they wouldn't even acknowledge them, get out of my house the second they're done, don't touch anything, don't do this, don't do that. We let them literally change our house around. And we're, we're, light bulbs are better for you guys. Get them, put them in, leave them up, don't worry about it. They're doing a job and they're getting paid, not to sound any certain way, but a lot less than you to do a lot more work. You know, I'm watching this kid. He's 120 pounds soaking wet lug, 150 pound camera boxes and equipment into vans three times a day, four times a day and driving home at midnight to the city just to drive back another 45 minutes to Brooklyn or wherever he was from. So yeah, we became friends with them. It's five, six years, eight years in some cases working with these people. So at my sister's wedding, I sat next to a producer we had three years earlier. It was just people that we brought him to a place where we were like friends. And again, you want to talk about networking now, All these people are doing something way bigger than they were doing when they were with us. So just watching that, you have no part of it, but it's so cool to see a girl who was like fighting for a job at Bravo PR is now running ABC, one of their divisions in PR in LA, and she's just killing it. And we're looking at her getting yelled at for the shoes she was wearing. You're like, wow, look at these people, man. They're killing it. They're doing so great. So how do you not have a relationship with them? I'm around them every day. If The restaurant closes tomorrow for some reason. I'm still going to be as cool Angel and Adam and all those guys as you see now because we all did it together. We were in it together.
1: That's great. This all trickles down from the top? This comes from your family?
0: Oh, yeah. We're all, all of us. I mean, we go to their weddings. We see their kids when they're born. Like a lot of them are like family to us.
1: How long did it take for you to be comfortable on the screen? I've got to assume. you Walk me through what happens. You sign up for a deal.
0: I was probably the most frustrating person to work with in that world ever because I never watched it. I still don't. I do a podcast with my brother that we haven't released yet, but- I haven't listened. It's been two months of them not putting it out because I haven't listened and taken it apart, but I keep telling them I won't do it. I don't like listening to myself. I don't like it. And my response is to be, take me out. And they're like, that's not what you want. And no offense, I probably won't listen to this one word. I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like listening to myself. It's not you. It's me. I don't like it. So for me, I was comfortable immediately because I was like, this doesn't leave this room. And that's how it really felt to me. It felt like I was really living my life after like three or four weeks when you get to know the camera people and We would make them do a shot with us. We would make them hang out after work make them get, if they ate lunch, they would all go in the backyard and they would eat our deck and they would leave us in the kitchen and we would go outside and eat with them. Like We want to hang out. You want me to be myself around 30 strangers, like you guys can't be strangers anymore. Like I need to know all of you. I need to know what makes you laugh. And then it got to a point where I was like, I'm trying to make them laugh. I'm trying to make them like what's going on. And I didn't care about TV. I was just trying to make my friends laugh. It's like hanging out with people. But that's the thing. Once that's done, I stopped watching. I wouldn't watch myself on TV. People say, Is it weird to see yourself on TV? I don't know. I change the channel when I see myself on TV. I don't like it. Have you watched any of the other no, reality no. shows? Because now I know how it's done. A few months ago, I was with my girlfriend and we were watching a show. I forgot which one. When I was ruining it for her because I was like, oh, this is next. This is what's happening. See that tape on the floor? That's so when they move the table, it looks like. And I dissect it to the point of there's no chance I can enjoy it at all whatsoever. So it's, I, it's, I can't watch it. very much that scripted? Or? Not a script at all, but it's just they need to get their shots in a certain way. Like you can't possibly imagine oh, gotcha. if they're going to film us on the show. They can't come in and do like we're doing right now. Yeah. And I, I could probably go over why for any number of reasons. The painting I'm looking at right now couldn't get cleared. By the artist would have to clear its work being on TV, oh, the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah, yeah. So she would watch and say, "Oh yeah, look, they have the same picture on the wall." No, they don't. They had to take down all of their artwork on the wall, and they had to do this. Maybe their living room is next to nothing. They had to move their everything into the bedroom and make it look like the dining room. It's a million ways to do it. So I can't watch reality TV because I just dissect it. It's a much. significant amount of work.
1: Yeah, it's going. Yeah, in you view. do a
0: lot of sitting around. But then that's the weird part. It's not a script at all because you are just doing they'll say what are you doing monday i'm going to talk to adam okay we want to join you that's great guys you can talk about anything you want just not what you planned on talking about until we're ready for you and they would take these lights out up here and they would make them china ball lights there would be something in the middle that would light up this there would be tape on that thing so the label doesn't show everything's different it's not your house it's they're just trying to capture your conversation with somebody but and were
1: your friends okay with that? Because there's a little bit of an invasion of I, their privacy I lived, or you- didn't... I live
0: two totally different lives. Anyone I ever dated, I wouldn't put on the show. which sure many people, but I, first of all, if you want to be on the show, we shouldn't date. If you're going to complain about that call by me, it's not because I want to come off as single or anything like that. It's just, you didn't sign up for this, whatever criticism comes with this. I don't know anything about you prior to us dating. What's going to come out once you're, if you like me, we'll stay there. Let's we'll keep it at that distance. That's okay. But- My friends, they never really were part of it. They looked at it like work. I would say, what are you doing? I'm filming on Friday. Okay. They never asked to be a part of it. They never wanted to be a part of it. If you have a party on a show like that, like, You can't really play music because, again, that's a clearance issue. So you can't have. So, like, my friends never wanted to go to, like, a party we were doing on the show. They wouldn't show up because, like, there's no music. We get the (laughs) lights are on. What the hell are we doing? It sucks. They wouldn't come. My friends never minded it because they never saw it. They were able to kind of watch Just to see because it's just so weird. How do you not go watch a show get filmed? And it's so different. It's fun. It never bothered anybody else's life because we would avoid it. That's great. What are you
1: hoping to get out of this next phase of your
0: life? I want to just be as normal as I could be from like, I have no structure in my life at all because I made really good money at a really young age and had nothing but time, nothing but time. I'd film four days a week and six days on the craziest week ever and for a few hours. (laughs) And then I had nothing to do. Then I was 25 living in Hoboken with six figures in my bank account and was able to do whatever I wanted. Then you kind of learn like, okay, that's not how life works at all. I'm learning everything from scratch, budgeting and because I did a terrible job at that. What I will say is, and we kind of touched on it a little bit here, I have plenty of stories. I had the best 20s a person could ask for. I wouldn't recoup a single memory just for money. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I wish I did a better job spending or saving, rather. Yeah. I did a great job spending. <laughs> I wish I did a better job saving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now I'm just learning that. How the hell does life really work? Because- My apartment's messy. I would call a cleaning person for $200. I wouldn't care. Now I'm like, all right, maybe I should save that money. I work for this now. Like I'm looking at it. I look at what I leave with at the end of the week. And I'm like, okay, I earned this by working. Like I'm not just going to blow it the way I used to. So I'm learning all that. Everything from in my second phase, I want to get into just, uh, because I think I'll be pretty complete as a person. Like once that's done, if I could feel good about the place I'm coming home to, knowing my taxes and bills are paid the right way. And I'm really completely in control of my own life, which to me is the most important thing in the world. I don't rely on anybody else. See what happens in the dating life, maybe. One thing I did learn also is uh, the last girl that I dated, I kind of learned that there's definitely no need to kind of settle because it was somebody that I got along with really, really well. And that never happened to me before. So I would say like, okay, one day I'll meet somebody, I'll get married and I'll just settle down. And that's just what happens, You're miserable. I learned that doesn't have to happen that way. So like that's, I didn't know it sounds silly, but that was kind of life for a long time. It was just like, everything just came so easy. You know, mm-hmm. it would be people and opportunities and dating and money, all came so easily. Now you're going back to normal where the only thing that is different about me than everyone else is like you said, some people might wait outside the restaurant to say hi. There's not much in the way of benefit from being on the show anymore. And realizing that is big too, because we were always a minute away from, Spin off travel channel wants to do this and food network. I'm making these up, of course, but food network wants to do this and Netflix wants to do this just because people that are trying to make money off of your name as well are bringing you these opportunities. Which, okay, let them make the money if they could bring you the opportunity, that's great. But knowing that's probably gone because in the back of my mind, still, I'll be like, oh, you know, this job's going great and I really love what I'm doing, but uh, that call might come, like, yeah. I gotta let that go. I need to really blend myself back in entirely of like having a completely normal life. Tell me about the worst piece of advice you've been given. Anything that I learned from one of the last few people that I've worked with, they were all very selfish. I don't consider him a businessman really. Now I meet other people like yourself and just at the restaurant and just people that I've met where I'm like, what about this guy? What about this guy? They're all great. Where on the opposite end of that, my dad has told me the best advice I ever got was the complete opposite advice of, I was really overwhelmed working my first real job for him. He was like, just do what you could do. So why are you worried about all the things that you're not able to do? So worry about things you can. Stay in the lane. He said, you're so worried about this, this, and that. You know, I can't do this, this, and that at the same time. Why are you worried about that? What can you do right now? This. Okay, then do it. And that's the one thing that I always said. And then kind of more of a cliche, but if you're nice to me and not nice to the waiter, you're not a nice person. I should tattoo it on my back. It's something I've always thought, if you're not nice to somebody just because they think, you know, waiter's a figure of speech here, but that counts too. You know, if you're the kind of guy that looks at the waiter and just this, they're a person, man. Look at them. How are you doing? How's it going? Nice to meet you. It doesn't have to be that formal, but.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with that. It was a really interesting site to do recruiting. I've actually two clients that did this specifically but I loved it. So this was Wall Street very big egos, people that made a lot of money, extremely intelligent people that I don't want to generalize but a lot of them felt better than other people. So what these companies would do is they would ask the secretaries or the people that addressed people when they first came into the offices what they were like, how well were they treated. What were they? Were they on their phones at all? If they were, how were they talking to other people? So they were using it as a data point to really assess the character yeah. and the culture of some of the people that they were interviewing. And I absolutely love that. Well,
0: it, yeah, it's easy to impress me. I could fake a job interview with you right now about something I've never done before and tell you how hard of a worker I am and how good of a person I am show me what you're really like. You bump into somebody in the street. What do you do? Do you snarl them? I'm so sorry. Which one is it? There's a lot of things that make you a good person and it's got nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do with who you know and what you know and what you dress like. It's, I know a lot of successful people that you would lend them a dollar if you saw them on the street. You'd be like, oh my God, dude, go get yourself cleaned up. <laughs> so that means nothing to me. It's the best and worst advice. That's what I just gave you. That You have to be cutthroat to make it in business. It's just not true. And to worry about things you can't worry about just the best advice yeah, I ever got. Get out of your now. control. You well, that,
1: do it. That's awesome. Chris, if anybody <laughs> wants to get in touch with you, even though you're not going to respond to them on email, what would you... Uh, Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Is that, yeah, are you active on Twitter? Yeah. Twitter and Instagram, I always look at. Instagram, less. It, what about in terms of business opportunities? Those Obviously, you're going to look to franchise this restaurant. Mm-hmm. Are there other things that you're interested in hearing about for those who are listening to this? We've got a significant amount of people that follow this show are in the world of business. So this is a pretty good audience
0: for you. I might have to create an email just for this, Adam. No, really? but truthfully, that's most people can touch me through Twitter okay. because I don't like putting too much out there for just ways to get in touch with me personal information wise. Also, if I don't already have like correspondence, your email even went to junk. I don't get emails a lot of the time. I figured I was like, I don't the kind of guy that said he sent an email and forgot. You're not gonna forget. I was like, So let me I checked all mail and it was in junk. And I saw a bunch of other ones in there that I'm oh. like, I would respond to this one. But most people tweet me, honestly, because I'm on okay. it all day and now that the show's done, I don't get people just writing me at all used to now it's just something that i look at i love it so what is your twitter Chris handle? underscore manzo
1: we'll put it in the show notes yeah. also so but we'll you, make it easy
0: i don't do you use twitter at all we have an account and we as a company are active mm-hmm. i'm not really that good at it i use it for like not for talking to people like i get my news through it i found out Bin laden I, I like died from a news standpoint I it's great yeah. i found out bin laden died like before the news i was watching the news because i remember hearing about it and i yeah. saw it and i'm like it's crazy to me that the speed that you get things so fast. And like I said before, I have my own personal Google, like answers to any question immediately. You get and it's just a really cool way to that's the best networking thing I've ever done was Twitter. The people I've met, opportunities I've had, places I've gone, whatever, it's just through that a yeah. lot of the
1: time. No, 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 I'm a fan. And didn't they recently expand the amount of characters? Yeah, so it was 140. Now I think it's 280. It is. Okay. Yeah, that opens the door a little bit. Yeah.
0: Once. I won't get political. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll we'll we'll
1: leave that for uh, round two. Hey, before I let you go, any questions for me?
0: I have a bunch, but I don't know where whoa. to start. I wasn't ready for no, that. All I, right, I okay. do. Because right, I don't know whoa. anything about you outside of just seeing Like we talk about the yeah. weather engine. We don't really know each other that well. <laughs> yeah. How's this working out for you? So uh, thank
1: you. It's really interesting. So the name of my company is NetworkWise. Mm-hmm. And NetworkWise is a platform that teaches people the art and science of how to network, what it really is, more importantly, what it isn't. So I really appreciate the fact that all those things that you talked about that aren't networking, aren't networking. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so you really help the audience educate on what's not about asking for things. It's Were not my answers ab- too long? No, it's good. It's good to hear because whatever people are... They're going to learn from that because a lot of people have a lot of the same thoughts. So that's why I kind of let you keep going Mm -hmm. because you were educating people. All these things that you're saying, oh, I'm not a good networker because I don't like this, this, this and that. But what you were really saying, what I was my interpretation was you are a good networker. right? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's not asking for things. It's not being slimy. That's just not it. Networking is all about. It's about building good relationships and being proactive in terms of the relationship, trying to help in any way that you can and being trusting. So all these things you talked about were again, that's not. So what my company does, it's a platform to educate people on how they can go about networking. And then we teach them the tips, tricks, philosophies, ways of thinking. It's all about a mindset. So a lot of times people think that they control their futures. You do not control your future. What you control are your habits. And your habits control your future. So, if you understand and have a networking mindset habit, a way of thinking about your relationships, you can really control your future. And
0: so, that's a better answer. If I were to say what you just said, that's mm-hmm. how I would have wanted to answer one of your last questions. When you said like, what do you want in this next phase of your life? Like just better habits. Because right now I just, I call it a day after work because I haven't worked in, like I said, I haven't worked in a while. So I'm so tired. I leave it all in the field kind of thing. Then it's time to eventually, okay, you had a few months of that. Like now maybe start picking up a day job. Not a job, it's something like sure. this or something that keeps me going. Maybe writing during the day again. I just don't do anything right now.
1: So you really need to know your why. If you have a why, like you know your why, like why it is that you want to have this habit and you tie it to something like some kind of emotion because emotion drives motion. So I don't know if you're following me, but like that. why, know the why tie it to an emotion. That emotion will drive your motion right now.
0: I'm just doing things I feel like I should. Okay, and that's probably not good, right? About so if I'm not saying to myself, "Well, I realize listen, I'm almost 30. I got to get my shit together. I got to start picking up better habits. I got to start waking up earlier, doing this, I'm, like cleaning up, doing laundry more." But I do it just because I feel like I really should. Mm-hmm. But I think I need a better why. I need a better reason to do all that. You know what I mean? Because then I have there's no reaction. Nothing bad happens if I don't do all this. Outside of just I'm being a bum before work. But the fact that I go to work makes me feel a little better about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just yeah. want to
1: become more of an adult. There it is. So then the next question would be, well, why do you want to become an adult? Are you looking for more fulfillment? Is it now like, okay, I've got this job with this restaurant. I see that there's some real opportunity here. Obviously, there's a good product. People like the energy from you and Mario and the staff. There's a really good product here. So, okay, so maybe a light went on that this is an opportunity. This is a real good opportunity. So why do I want to do this? Is it because I really want to put my mark on something and I really want to be tied to a business venture. So those are the things that you need to go back and to be thinking about. And then when you tie them, then you can start tying them to that goal that you're looking for that, right. that is in line with your why. And then you back into it. So you know the end game and then you reverse engineer how you get there. I think that would be the fact that you know that you need to do something is really good because a lot of people are kind of in denial. It's almost like an alcoholic. You can't stop being an alcoholic until you first... I think step one is like acknowledging, (laughs) maybe not the best analogy, but...
0: No, it definitely is. But it's a very frustrating world now to see like people. I think have a warped perception of what work is, what adulthood is, what self value people have. So it's a weird world out there now. I'm just trying to figure it all out. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, then no one's written the book of life. Nope. You know, it's a someone diff- should though. Now. Yeah. It's been a little crazy. <sighs> Maybe up. that's your next book. Maybe. You know. <laughs> yeah. So no, that, no, it's a great question. So I'm trying to do that, and I help people from the principles and philosophies and this networking lend themselves to a lot of things. They lend themselves to. Finding a job because a lot of times, people 70 to 80 percent of the jobs you get are through your relationships, they're not coming through any other channel. So, the more people that you're connecting to, and some of the best opportunities that the kind of quote unquote hidden job market comes through the job. So, if you have good relationships with people, they're going to want to help you or they're going to open up more doors. So, help people in that capacity. Also, a lot of sales are done through relationships more often than not product a b and c they're really all the same but it's the relationships of the salesperson that's going to get them in the door that's going to help close the deal right Um,
0: referrals are just really relationships yeah a lot more
1: more often than not Mm -hmm. and then the other thing which is really interesting is that companies that have a networking culture do much better significantly better and employees the average employee lasts about three years. It's very different than what it was years ago. But the average employee these days lasts three years, the average well networked employee averages around seven to eight years, which is pretty crazy. Mm. And what happens is they buy into the company's mission. What happens is they also have uh, more diverse contacts, so they get better idea creation. And then they are able to kind of get some of their initiatives passed through because they've built relationships, which are built on trust. They also make more money. And then they recruit people into companies that also last that seven to eight year Mm -hmm. range instead of the value is a hundred percent. So I help the people that get this culture and then I help the companies that do that also. So, yeah, so it's pretty cool. I appreciate you asking about that. A lot of fun having you on the show. I appreciate that. I have a feeling there's going to be some follow-up or two. You know where to find me? (laughs) I do. I'll let you know if I clean my room too. We'll do a whole episode about it. Awesome, man. Thanks again, Chris. (laughs) Thank you. Make it a great day. I'm really glad you made it through the whole show. It tells me that you found it entertaining and enjoyed the content. In the spirit of helping us continue to provide such great content and amazing guests, we appreciate your participation through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash networkwise. Your support really helps. Also, if you or someone you know is looking for a career change, is building a business, seeking to expand sales, or is just generally interested in improving your overall health and happiness, then head on over to networkwise.com. Not only does this platform offer you a plethora of resources, but will walk you through how to expedite the outcomes and the aforementioned goals that you seek. Thanks again for listening. Make it a great day and remember to always network wise.